welcome to the Back in Action podcast. Are you a weekend warrior, a current or former high-performing athlete, or do you just have questions about what a chiropractor can do for you in a rehab setting? Here, we'll dive into the world of chiropractic and exercise rehab and how they both can be utilized to get you back in action. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Back in Action podcast, episode five. Hope everyone had a good weekend. Um... And hope everyone is off to a great start to their week. And it's almost Friday. So, got lots to look forward to for the weekend. Um, we got, <laughs> we got um, Connor's coming to visit Florida in T-minus two weeks now, right? What do you mean two weeks? I'm going to be there in eight days. Yeah, all right. So... <laughs> Connor's going to be here in eight days. Austin's going to be coming too. Um, yeah, just kidding. He under the plane. He's being lame, but all right. So uh, <laughs> what we're going to talk about today, uh, we're going to go over some program design uh, principles and key principles when lifting um, and just going to throw some questions at each other a lot. Um, we're also going to touch on, we posted a, um, a question on our Instagram account. By the way, if you don't follow that, go give us a follow. Um but we posted a question asking what content people want to see. And one of the questions we got actually kind of pertained to what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to dive into that um, as well. And then at the end, we got a special treat. So stay tuned for that. Um, so to get us started, I'm actually going to start with that one of the questions we got. Um, and one of the questions was, does everyone need to move in certain ways to avoid injury? And I kind of took this from two different approaches. Um, so number one, if we think about from an athlete's perspective, um, and from an athlete's perspective, I think it's important to, I think it's important to avoid injury. There are certain patterns that need to be addressed when creating a lifting program or creating a conditioning agility program as well. Like, so if we think about it from, sorry, my cat just jumped up here. Um, we think about it from. Uh, the perspective of, like I've given the example before, like hockey players and baseball players needing to put a lot of emphasis on the hip flexors when training. I think that's important because if those muscles aren't properly trained and they're being stressed to ultimate limits during games, I think you do run the risk of injury. But with that being said, it is also, it's hard with athletes because we can't obviously 100% prevent all injuries. Some things you know, happen in the spur of the moment, and some things just happen by freaking incident at the same time. Um, but yeah, so just training those proper biomechanics with those athletes is huge for that pattern recognition training. Um, but at the same rate, like if we just take it from a general lifting perspective, let's just keep athletes out of it. If we're doing the same workout every single day, and we're not like or we're not encompassing any variation to that. Obviously, we couldn't we can create some unnecessary stress and uh to the body which can lead to those overuse injuries. But if we do those variation exercises such as like if we're going to take leg day for an example, if we switch from double leg leg stance exercises to single leg, maybe focusing on hinges one day, um and kind of just training in different patterns like that, I think we mitigate those risks of injury a lot better. Um, and obviously it's because we're bringing the, the body's working at a different compa capacity under load. Um, so I think that's huge. So 
to long long-winded answer but honestly i don't think everyone needs to train the exact same way to avoid injury but i do think it's important when dealing with athletes that we make sure that we focus on pattern training to avoid the most common injuries that occur in those sports from you know lack of training in the major muscle groups do you guys have any takes on that question that was asked i think we kind of touched on it in an earlier podcast that i kind of see a lot of sports as power or finesse sports and how they kind of just sit on a on a spectrum in that way so definitely having some general movement patterns and stuff that you're training throughout is is good to have you want to get a certain amount of those but i don't think there's a right answer for everything there's going to be certain body types are going to react differently to certain exercises and all that uh the one i come back to is squatting uh and like femur length something like that so somebody with longer femur length is going to probably benefit more from a low bar squat which allows them to keep the upper back and their chest upright and not kind of fold over as much. I know I have that problem myself that it could also be my lack of ankle mobility, but uh, having a, a little bit proportional, disproportionate, I'll say femur, uh, makes low bar squatting a lot easier for me because I'm able to fully squat and feel everything rather than a high bar squat, which essentially just folds me like a lawn chair. So having general movement patterns is definitely something good, but there's also going to be variations to all of that. So it's kind of a yes and no answer at all, which is kind of like the majority of what we do, that there's a right answer, but there's many different ways to get to that answer. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, um, I'm kind of in the mindset too when working with athletes you want to give them like the most like variety of movement like techniques you can give them because that's going to kind of mitigate um injury too i mean obviously injury there's always going to be an inherent risk when you're playing sports so um i don't think you can completely uh avoid it or i mean you can debate whether or not you can prepare for it Um, but I think the biggest thing is trying to expose athletes to different loads, different movements, um, like different ways of moving just to kind of enhance their toolbox of like how to move. So when they're put in these like different positions or different, um, stresses during their sport that they can kind of handle those. Um, and then it kind of gets into like the, for athletes, like athletes versus, um, kind of say you're like non athletes or like non performers. Like I think form and technique matters more for performance rather than it does, um, like for athletes rather than what it would do for like, maybe, uh, like a normal person or not normal person, non athlete, let's say. So I think you kind of have to look at it that way too. But at the end of the day, I don't think we can necessarily, um, or we can't fully address like the injury risk. It's just kind of preparing our athletes like as best as you can. Yeah, for sure. I think those were both really good answers. Um, so let's kind of dive in now to the next thing we had was we wanted to talk about just specific program design in general, uh, different plans for different people. Um, you know, 
because we got to be able to meet the patient's demands because not everyone's going to be the same uh, case every single time. And uh, we also wanted to discuss how we would use the gym to increase capacity when you're outside of a gym setting. Um, so with that being said, how about uh, Austin, we can start with you. Do you want to give an example of a program that you've seen or used in the past that you think has been super beneficial, either for you as a former college athlete or just in general that you've used even right now, not even playing college sports that has been helpful? Yeah, I mean, I feel like program is just all based off what your goals are. Like, um, if it's if you're working with a particular athlete, like you got to know their kind of demands of their sport and what that requires. So kind of tailoring a program towards that, um, whatever that might be. Where is where if like you have someone who is just trying to put on muscle, like you're gonna gear that program towards more hypertrophy or. If you're a power lifter, you're going to gear that towards, um, obviously like strength and building that. So it really just depends on the person and their goals and kind of what you're trying to do to, uh, meet those in terms of like a specific training plan, obviously like for me, it's right now, it's just trying to put on muscle. And like, I feel like I've done so many workouts where we were like gearing it towards hockey and like yeah it's it's fun and like i still do a lot of the same stuff but like i don't miss doing like the mass amounts of cardio or like i don't know if you guys have ever done versa climber like that thing sucks so i don't miss that thing at all um so it's just like very different so like now it's more a lot more um hypertrophy and like kind of strength based training um which is a lot more fun because you get to move like some heavy weight and like not that you're like beating yourself out, but you definitely feel like, uh, like it's a good workout. So that's what I'm kind of doing right now. Would you say that what you're doing right now is something that you would implement for future patients as well? Yeah, definitely. Like, I think it just depends what state they're in. Um, like it's really hard. I, I, like I said before, like I, I feel like anyone, anyone can uh, benefit from getting stronger. And especially if you're dealing with patients who are um, say in pain or um, suffering like from that chronic injury uh, that's always bothering them, I think you can always increase their strength and increase their capacity. So just looking at different movements that um, will work for them and kind of not, we, we kind of talked about this a little bit too and not, necessarily like flare up their pain too much but there's there is a little bit where you can kind of work into that pain a little bit and there's there's some benefits with that too um but yeah no i i definitely think that a lot of patients would benefit from just uh like some hypertrophy training and just honestly getting stronger overall just like increasing their capacity that they can go out in uh, the everyday world and kind of not survive but just like f- feel good no no injuries or anything yeah and i think we've all kind of sorry sorry go ahead i was just gonna say i think we've all seen that kind of firsthand with how the benefits of lifting especially from like dealing with the patient type that we like the age range that we deal with right now um because i i think you guys would agree like both here at the va and even in buffalo it's not like we're seeing a ton of young active patients like we occasionally see those patients but most of the time we're seeing those older individuals who are active when they can be. Um, 
and I think that's huge to be able to show them that, like, even if we're just showing them, like, proper lifting technique with the kettlebells, um, or even just doing resistance training, it's huge to just show them the benefits of how that can help them so much in the progression of whatever they're dealing with in terms of healing. Um, so to be able to give them that approach, like, not only are we, like, trying to hope that something clicks, that they're going to want to stay active and want to keep doing these things, but we're also educating them as well on just how this lifestyle can really help in not really necessarily, like you said, avoiding an injury, because that might be, you know, things happen, but at least we're giving them the tools to be able to deal with it when an injury does reoccur, or it won't be as severe, because now we've, we've built up that strength, and we've built up that capacity to be able to do these things, so, um, yeah, I really liked your response. Connor, what were you going to say? I'm sorry. Uh, just that the general population, I kind of like to view as a working my way inwards. So kind of start broad with, with a lot of things and then work my way into more specific. Because what I'm trying to get them is I'm essentially just trying to get them moving to start. So starting with your general, like your squat and a modification of like a deadlift or something like that, getting into some core work and just focusing on more as the bot of like the body as a whole rather than each individual muscle group like getting into something like that I get into is a lot more complex than what somebody who's just starting off getting into this like exercise routine would be so getting somebody into like every like an every other day thing doing some squats some deadlifts and then some upper body m- movements and just kind of general strengthening stuff and not getting into the, your six day splits with one rest day and doing all the stuff that I have been doing for a, a little while now. But other than that, I think working your way inwards to more specific stuff. So you start, you're trying to get in, essentially trying to get in locked in and buying into something that they can see and feel feeling something like feeling a workout is something that I don't think they get enough of they feel like they're not doing a lot and they don't stick with it so starting with full body motions like your squats and deadlifts like I've like I've said is something that can maybe get them into a routine and kind of feeling the the benefits of exercise now as the, like the resident non-athletic regular person in the group uh, I wasn't into the whole sports specific training programs and all of that. Mine's been very much just, all right, let's pick up heavy things and put them back down and kind of having, I started a little bit differently than a lot of people, but just kind of watching through other people and starting again with like those broad, big movements, your compound lifts are definitely what I'm kind of getting towards and then working your way into more like single muscle focused and a lot more coordination based exercises. And once you get comfortable with all that, I feel like things start to get a little bit easier. You start to get a little bit more of an understanding about your body and just kind of get a hold of what the hell's going on. I don't know how you guys feel about all of that stuff, but yeah, no, I I like that too. Like I, I feel like you're trying to just like, get them moving and kind of get the ball rolling um, and really just like get them to start being active. And if they can like see that the benefit of it and be like, Oh shit, like 
I'm actually feeling a lot better. Like I'm not really feeling that like achiness in the low back or, you know, like my, my right knee pain or whatever the hell it is. Like, you know, like if they can kind of see that benefit and get the ball rolling, it doesn't have to be like a full, full fledged workout plan, but just kind of implementing like little exercises at a time. And then like, next thing you know, now they're like, okay, like what's this workout shit about? Like, let's do more. Like, and then now you're like, okay, like now that's something I like I would get excited for because like now you're basically, um, taking this person from like ground zero and just kind of like work building them up. So that's, that's definitely like a cool aspect of it to just kind of, especially when they're in pain, if you can show them that exercise is going to help them with that, obviously depending on what's going on with them, like it really can get the ball rolling towards like them changing their like lifestyle habits and stuff. Yeah. And I think ultimately that's the end goal too, you know, like, especially as healthcare providers, like we, we understand the benefits of moving and exercise, but sometimes patients aren't as well versed in that. So that's definitely a cool way to try to get them into it. Um, for me, programming wise, like Austin, I was kind of in the same boat as you. Like I remember back in college, like Monday and Thursday were upper body lift one and upper body lift two and you did conditioning. And then Tuesday, Friday was lower body one and lower body two and both doing agility. Um, and then you'd get that one day off of rest, but it wasn't really rest because you still had to like go, go into the gym, get some shots up and stuff. Um, so, and then like weekends were all like explosive activity, like plyometrics, box jumps, um, squat jumps, things like that. And I think going from one end of the spectrum to now, like when I started lifting with Connor, like Connor kind of got me more on the push pull leg kind of routine. And the two key differences I noticed were back in college, obviously you're doing so much conditioning and agility that like you definitely feel more toned, but I can't, I can honestly tell you, I don't think I've ever felt as strong as I do now. And like, maybe I don't look as toned or maybe I don't look jacked or anything like that. But like, I feel like I am at my absolute strongest point that I, that I've been at in my life. And I think a big reason for that is because like, obviously cardio plays a big role into that and eating differently, things like that. But another thing was like, I think it just built my confidence in the weight room to the point that like, I was okay with, like, I didn't really care, like looking bulky, anything like that. Like, I was just like, I just want to be as strong as I can be. And like going through that program was huge for me because I feel like I, I learned a lot about myself and what I could handle and what kind of loads I can do. And um, I mean, my numbers like increased crazy amounts from like being in Seneca Falls to going to Buffalo. I can't say as much now in Florida because Matt doesn't really hold me accountable to going. I'm going to blame him. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so that's been huge. And then another thing that I've been trying is, um, and I know Connor and I worked on it, was doing more eccentric work. And honestly, I just took a free seminar that was like all about doing eccentric lifting. And it was awesome. Like, I feel like I learned so much. And that's definitely something I want to implement with my patients because I don't necessarily think there's a ton of emphasis on that in rehab. But it's definitely a really good way to build that muscle quickly. Um, And then on top of that, like just personal experience, like we started doing a lot of eccentric stuff, remember Connor? And like my bench press improved like drastically. And I stopped having the shoulder pain I used to get like from the torn labrum like all that pain kind of went away. And I think it really was because of doing that eccentric work and just focusing more on that. Um, But at the same time, like for me, like making a 
making a program for my patients. Like, obviously, I'd want to do, like, a movement assessment first, like, get their range of motion down, see where their limitations are, um, where are you weak, where are your strong points, um, you know, do you ha are you lacking stability in certain regions, like, how's the diaphragmatic breathing, things like that, like, are definitely things I want to harp on for sure, um, which makes it patient-specific then, right, because we're going to tailor that specific program to what that person needs most. Um, and hopefully the end goal would be having them see the functional purpose of doing all that as well. Yeah, I, I agree a lot with that. But there's also something that can be said with a lot of... It depends on the patient and getting with the right person as well. A lot of that comes with having somebody that the patient can really trust in their, their health with and making sure that they aren't throwing essentially the just throwing the kitchen sink at them right off the hop because keeping them getting them in, in the door is hard but keeping them in is harder so you don't want to scare them off with your the first workout because you're you've got them doing x y and z like hanging from this jumping off of that you want to get them to come back in and that's the hardest thing you see it right now with all of like the New Year's resolutioners that they come in, they take one class and it's some super like experienced and high level class that th there's no point they should, they, at no point should they be starting with that. And the one thing I heard, I can't remember what it was from, is probably just on my mindless scrolling somewhere. It's, uh, it's just keeping people in, like getting them to go to the gym is the hardest thing. And for the first week, even if you're just going through the front door and just sitting in one of the chairs and just kind of getting a, a lay of the land, it's training your body to just get to the gym is one of the hardest things and all of that. And then once you add in maybe like some personal training through us and all of that, we can keep them in through there and keep them feeling, feeling better. Learning a, a lot of people's motivation is definitely something we we have to get very good at too is finding something that makes them tick to kind of keep them coming back that's kind of what what the majority of my patient population is now especially here when like you said we're not seeing a whole lot of athletes we're seeing more of it more or less just the average joe that works a desk job from 8 30 to 4 30 or something like that works in a factory and just wants to be able to work on his little like side jobs or fix his car or something like that you want to get him yeah he doesn't have a whole ton of time so gotta pick and choose your battles but it's people like that i think are the hardest ones to to keep in like engaged in all of that stuff <laughs> um yeah no i i i definitely agree with that and it's definitely hard working with some of these patients at this clinic because i wouldn't say it's it's really any of our um demographic or i mean i think ideally like we'd we'd want an athletic population or or someone's some people that are a little bit easier to work with per se but i think 
it comes back to kind of what you touched upon, Connor, was just like um, just communicating with your patients and just kind of, okay, like what are their goals? And yeah, like um, at least for me personally, I wouldn't say I'm straying completely away from manual therapy because I know like a lot of people expect that, but trying to also supplement with the exercises to show them the value of that and what that can actually do. Cause I think that also just empowers them to kind of be involved and be in control of like what's going on with them. So, um, if we can give them solutions too to kind of work through those problems, I think that's more valuable than, than like rubbing their neck and giving them a crack and sending them on their way. Yeah. And I think yeah. I definitely feel the same. Like, Go ahead, Bridget. It's your show. No, I'm sorry. I think it's my mic still does that thing where it's delayed. Um, no, all I was going to say is that, that just all ties back to that whole thing that I think we've mentioned uh, probably in almost every podcast, which is, you know, we're, we can do things to get you out of pain, but once we get you out of pain, it's going to, we got to now teach the things and educate you on the ways to keep you out of pain. Because if not, we're just going to revert back to those bad habits whether it's, you know, bad form lifting objects off the ground or it's just bad posture in general or we just go back to using those muscles and joints in ways that that created that injury. So I think that's a big thing. Like I said, just once we get you to one point, it doesn't end there. It's still that whole teaching process and it's it's just like just like learning how to do anything. Like there's going to be a, a, a learning curve involved with everything, but I think if patients can just buy into that whole you know once we get you out of pain there's more to it than that then I think the profession can definitely take the step in the right direction in terms of being rehab chiropractors anyways yeah uh one there is one thing though the I feel like the hardest thing that we have to get through is almost trying to fix every little thing at the very first visit and almost overcomplicating things so through, you kind of have to just pick and choose your battles on the first one. Like their shitty movement patterns weren't made overnight, so you're not going to be able to fix them overnight. And kind of, we can kind of fall into like almost the overcoaching thing. Like, oh, I want you to do exactly this, 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 and that. And they're like, I didn't hear a word you said. I just know I have to like do this little motion. Like if you think with like a hip hinge squat or something like that, you're like, okay, so I want you to uh, do this with your hips, stick your butt back, do this slowly lower and all of that, where it's like, if we all we said was, all right, I want you to sit up nice and tall and pretend that you're sitting on the toilet. They're like, oh, okay, well, I don't fall back on the toilet. I have to actually go down and sit. And we're just victim a, a lot of the time. I know it especially early in practice where like I just want to fix everything right now and we just kind of have to step back and think okay let's work at one thing let's pick one thing off of this we'll knock down the wall take one brick off at a time and then kind of address that because that comes that'll kind of get into their like interest of wanting to come back and see you as well if you throw everything at them right off the hop they're like this person is insane if they think i can do all of this in one visit but that comes down to 
just, again, getting your patient to buy in and really like educating them on what you're trying to do with them. Um, so the next topic I kind of wanted to bring up is, uh, how do we deal with those patients who are in that state of fear avoidance? Um, whether it's just getting into the gym for the first time post injury, um, or if they just had surgery, they finally got the okay that they're good to come back and do things like, but you know, they still have that they're a little timid in the weight room or they're a little timid to try doing activities they used to do because they don't want to get hurt. So, um, Let's just talk about that a little bit with how we how we would coach those patients on the benefits of getting back into exercise and um, why maybe they don't necessarily need to be as afraid as they mentally are. Yeah, I, I feel like fear avoidance is like so hard because um, the way I was explained it is there's kind of like two patients. So you have like your endurance copers who like are your more your chronic patients, athletes who just like keep crushing themselves and just like don't know when to stop and like that's how they get injured and then you have your like fear avoidance people who are like injured but are just like avoiding it basically or avoiding movement but i feel like honestly the best way to approach it with them is like just get them to freaking move like honestly just take them into whatever um rehab area or or what you have and just show them that they can do these movements because like even for a lot of my patients I feel like right now I kind of get frustrated because it's like, oh, like I have this back pain and it's like really bothering me and like whatever they give you like their their pain rating or or whatnot or however they're feeling. And then you like kind of take them through some like range of motion stuff and you're like, what the like you're literally moving fine. Like there's literally no like no pain. They're like they're rotating fine. They're like flexing, extending fine. And you're like like what is going on so like i think if you can honestly just get them to to move and put them in a situation where like okay like um even just doing like light light lifts like whether it's whether it's like a deadlift or like picking something off the ground you don't even have to like describe it as like a deadlift you can just be like hey like see that weight like i want you to just pick it up and tell me how it feels they might have a little bit of soreness or a little bit of pain but honestly just like getting getting that confidence and building that confidence to move like that is like so valuable for them um and just kind of it's almost like that snowball effect where like they can do it a couple times and then be like oh shit like i can actually do this like maybe because it gets them out of that mindset of like i can't do this or like it's too painful to do this because a lot of times too you'll notice if you take a patient in there and you tell them to do like one rep, they might be like, oh, like that, that was painful. But like, was it really painful? Was it like, like shooting, stabbing, like the worst pain they've ever had? Or is it something that they can kind of, you know, work through it? So maybe get them to do like, like five, six, seven, eight reps, like numerous reps. And maybe that starts to subside a little bit. So that's the whole premise of like kind of working into that pain a little bit. And especially with that fear avoidant people, like it's, it's so valuable to, to do that and to show them that. Um, and it's, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely hard, but I think if you can just be almost like blunt about it in a way and just take them in there and get them going, um, 
they'll they'll have a lot more buy-in too because they'll be like oh okay like yeah maybe i can get better and they start to switch that mindset of like like i'm 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 unable to like okay i can do this and there's one thing that i find with a lot of patients it's differentiating pain and soreness so they will feel a little bit of soreness after like doing a squat or two or picking something up They're like well i can't do this 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 hurts this caused this caused some pain like well did it recreate your symptoms or do you just feel a little sore everywhere they go oh well like now that you say it i kind of feel just a little sore i go well now that's because we have you moving so really teaching them the difference between pain and muscle soreness is huge because that's one thing that i think a lot of people especially with those fear avoidance patients they feel something that's not normal and they're immediately like well i don't i i've always been told like something that hurts me stop doing it so i'm going to just stop doing it and never do it again and just teaching them that it's okay to be sore it's not okay to be in pain but it's okay to be sore yeah i i like that a lot like i had um it kind of explained to me a couple days ago about like how do we kind of explain to these patients like what pain is and it was like a really good analogy and like kind of making it personal for the patients so you ask them like have you ever broken a bone or like had a really like serious accident and like i mean nine times out of ten they'll be like yeah like i've so-and-so like this this incident that incident and be like okay that is pain and then like and then rather than and then try and explain like soreness like you know like oh have you ever like stubbed your toe or whatever or whatnot like something not as severe so they can kind of differentiate like okay this is pain and this is like soreness that i can kind of work through because a lot of the time too, if you can get your patients who are in a little bit of pain while moving to just continue that, we have to also inform them that pain doesn't necessarily mean like structural damage and that it's kind of your your brain's way of telling you like, oh, like you shouldn't be doing this. But if you can do it enough times, you start to almost like block those signals or like lessen those signals. And so I think we just have to kind of inform them that pain doesn't always mean dysfunction or like tissue damage. Um, and I think it's like really important that we can kind of explain to our patients what that is. So when I heard that like kind of analogy, I feel like it's it's a good way to try and explain it to your patients in terms of what is pain versus what is soreness. Great job, guys. You two really feed well off each other. It's it's great to it's great to listen to and just sit here and uh, not chime in. I really like it. You don't have to be jealous or anything. <laughs> um, well, no, you guys actually brought up some of the points that I was going to bring up. So rather than repeating them, um, I'll take it from more of a different approach. Um, so I think a lot of the things that tie into fear avoidance, um, a big part of it is injury, especially with injury recovery and then starting to do things again. Injury recovery, it's just as mental as it is a physical problem, right? Um, So I think a big thing is to reiterate to the patient that they need to definitely listen to their body. We're not telling them, like, okay, if you feel sore, if you feel pain, like, don't do anything about it. Just keep going. Like, we're not saying that. Like, listen to your body. Like, you know your body better than anyone else. 
So if it is something that's physically bothering you, um, obviously bring that to someone's attention and just, you know, your limits and stop yourself if it ever goes too far. But just like Connor, uh, said, knowing the difference between soreness and pain is huge. Um, but from the mental side of things that I was going to say in regards to the fear avoidance is I think it's huge too, to try to tell the patient to structure a belief system that doesn't normalize pain and fear. So structuring a system for them that, that basically says, okay, like let's do some self-talk. Let's replace all this negativity that we have, or this fear that we have with more of like compassion for ourselves. Like, especially someone like I always think about like my sister who tore ACL, like when she was coming back, like she was so hard on herself to, I got to get back to a hundred percent right now. Like your body just endured like such a huge injury. Like take it day by day. Like things aren't going to be a hundred percent better right away. But when you do get that clearance to finally be able to work out again, we're not saying jump in and do, you know, like a PR squat, you know what I mean? Like get yourself back to the basics, work on technique, use that time to work on the little things to get yourself back to doing the big things. Um, And then another thing I was just going to mention is something that we could do as chiropractors when we're working with these patients in a rehab setting is even just telling them like things they can do when they go home after they're not under our supervision, like tell them to practice little mental cues, like visualization. Like if you visualize yourself doing it's Michael Jordan used to do it all the time. He would envision how the game would go in his head. So he would say, all right, like I'm going to dribble the ball down. I'm going to make a move. I'm going to juke a guy. I'm going to get to the hoop and I'm going to dunk like all right, like, so let's have the patient say, hey, like, for the next time I see you, just, like, visualize yourself working on that squat. Visualize yourself being able to get deeper than you got today. And I think being able to coach those things from a mental side, is it plays just as big as a role as the other things do. Obviously, like, we're not going to see, like, huge um, physical differences, but I think that definitely goes a long way for the patient, especially in a patient who is definitely fearful of getting back into things. So that's my two cents. Since you guys, you guys, yeah, 100%. You guys took more I, of the cool rehab stuff to say, so I had to go with the with the empathetic stuff. <laughs> no, but the seriously, like, I had a couple of courses in undergrad about imagery and performance, and it's something that's so overlooked in in sport and rehab at all is just the power of like visualization and mental like the mental side of rehab is just as important if not more important than the actual physical rehab portion of it and that's something that again it's just hard to get people to buy into because they're like well why would i do that when i can just like get up and squat but if you think a lot of people like coming off of a serious injury or something like that just thinking like visualizing themselves doing the things that they loved like somebody coming off of like back surgery like all right well just visualize yourself playing a whole golf so that's what you want to get back to do let's just hit us like visualize yourself hitting the perfect tee shot walking down the fairway hitting the green and knocking in the putt walk off with the three and then play it all again in your mind and before you like imagery is such a like amazing like portion of our field that is so underutilized because a lot of us just aren't exposed to it and i definitely think that's something that if we can implement it we would see unbelievable changes in a lot of patients 
Yeah, just a quick thing, too, um, before we sign off here. Um, I told her I, w- I wouldn't give her shout-outs on the podcast, but I am going to give her a shout-out. Um, one of our classmates, Amy, posted one of like the best analogies I've heard um, in terms of training with pain. And she talked about, um, you know, should we train with pain? Does pain mean that there's damage? And she said, no, like training and you ha- and if you have pain doesn't always necessarily mean that there's underlying damage. And she used uh, the hot tub analogy. And she basically said instead of like, we never like just jump right into a hot tub, right? We always like dip our toe in first, get a feel for the water, get adjusted to the water, and then we go in. Um, and she even said when we dip our toe in at first, it's painful, right? Like, because it's pretty hot, like it's a shock to the body. Um, but then she said, but once you get in the, into the water, like you no longer have that pain because you became acclimated to it. So basically with her example that she was giving, she was saying it applies to training as well, right? Like the first few reps can be pretty painful, but once we get once we get things going, once we train things properly, we slowly adapt and it becomes less painful. And it becomes something that we're able to functionally do with minimal pain or no pain at all. And no pain at all is obviously the number one goal. Um, so I just thought that was pretty cool just to tie into what we were saying and to kind of embarrass her a little bit by throwing her name on here because she <laughs> told me she's been listening. So we'll see if she really is now. Yeah. But no, that was dope. I saw that post too. I, I liked it. It was, uh, it was a good analogy and something that I'll definitely like kind of use going forward. Yeah. Just make it your own. Right. Yeah. I'm hundred percent stealing it. Sorry, Amy. That's, that's Amy Lee trademark. <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> I think that's all we wanted to touch on this week. Um, we, this, I said in the beginning that we had a special announcement for the end. And that special announcement is we just got our, we just got our first guest to sign on. So um, Devin is going to be doing our first guest appearance. Um, and we'll give a quick background of him at the beginning of the next episode before he gets to chime in and answer some of the things we want him to talk about. Um, but we're excited to have him. He's super insightful, probably one of the best speakers I've ever heard in my life. Like I, He's in our one mentorship program that Austin and I are in. And like I think I wrote down like almost everything he said just because he's like just the way he phrases things he makes simple things seem so like like the simplest things seem so interesting when he says it um so i'm excited to have him on i know you guys are excited too so we're looking forward to that and without further ado we will see you guys i don't even think further ado was right but all right we'll see you guys next time <laughs> fire sign no